everyone. Welcome to From Nowhere to Nothing, Ontological Oxymorons. I'm your host, Joel Bouchard, a doctoral student in psychology. And with me today is Mr. Norman Gayford, a professor of English and philosophy. We often don't stop to think about it, but the present moment is quite elusive. By the time I'm done speaking this sentence, it is already in the past. However, in colloquial conversation, we'd likely consider the sentence, and perhaps even the entire podcast recording, as part of the present. So, if the present is sandwiched between the past and future, when exactly is it? <laughs> You'll soon find out that this might be the most straightforward question we ask today. <laughs> so we were looking for podcast topics, and um, this is one that I think we've both been thinking about a little bit. I've, I've been thinking about it a lot to the point of actually doing some writing on it. And then you sent me um, an article about it in, during the week, and I thought, well, this is just, this is too coincidental. We should talk about it. <laughs> And then in doing the research for this show, I thought this might become a series because there's, there's too much. I mean, you could, you could talk about presentism, eternalism, four-dimensionalism. Yep. Each one could have its own show. Yep. Um, so we'll, we'll see where it takes us as we, as we go on. But we'll start with what is the present? Uh, <laughs> well, the, uh, the etymology, of course, is interesting. Uh, and I just have to say, present and moment, when we assume it's, even before I do the etymology, isn't it interesting that it's really kind of um, a repetition? Yeah. You know, we say the present, we say the moment, we mean the same thing, but yet we are implying different, different amounts of time, as if we could parse up time. Anyway, getting ahead of myself. <laughs> I think that... Um, when you think of the Latin, the etymology of, of the word present, uh, being at hand, and then be, and so those two things morphed into what we think of now. So being at hand. Hmm. Well, if something's at hand, you can reach it. My toolbox is at hand if I put it in the right place. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, with the race tomorrow that we follow, we're at hand at a distance online, but we're really not able to, to do anything. So even being at hand itself or be <laughs> is it's not vague, but it embraces a whole lot. Yeah, there's, there's a lot in there because I think that um, you're right. At, at face value, it seems like it's redundant, right? The present moment. It seems like, okay, well, those are, those are the same thing. But yeah, they really aren't because moment, I think, has a much more momentary character, <laughs> right? This is the moment. What happened five seconds ago is not the moment, right? But the present, like we said, the, all, the whole day today could be the present, right? It, it all depends on your perspective on the time scale, right? In, in my life, I could look at this whole year as being the, my present, right? And that etymology of, of being or being at hand, well, when you think being, you think ontology and you think about, you know, what it means to, to, to be yes. human, what, what it is like to be human. So, so many things in just that short description of being, it, being at hand. It opens up the whole box. Yeah. Right. Right. And then, but then we say be present 
in the moment, <laughs> which which it implies is, that you can not be present in the moment. So it suggests an attentiveness, mm. be be aware in the moment. But then we talk about the historical moment, the, like the last five years being or three years being a historical moment. So a moment is a brief space of time. And indeed, in the link in, in the in the the sweep of history for the planet, a pandemic is a moment, so to speak. But mm. it doesn't feel like a moment. So then we've got the whole how we sense time. Yeah, 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 yeah. So there's so many things converging: time, consciousness, ontology, um, relativity, tons of things. So it's yeah. going to be very exciting. Yeah. But what have philosophers historically? Um, thought about the present moment. You know that that's. I, I went back through a number of things, and and the interesting thing is, you you sort of fall down. I won't call them rabbit holes because we use that so much, but you 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 come to a a place where you realize that without even having intended to, you are reading about ancient philosophers speaking of time. Or speaking of how to live the good life, that was the great mm. big deal. Obviously, we know that we've talked about that many times uh, for philosophy. Um, the person who most comes to mind for me, and, and when I was going back to things, was was Epicurus, only because of his. Uh, we mentioned this in a different episode. His his uh, injunction to people to be not worried about death whenever it comes because you're just not going to know it we had a whole conversation about this right but but there's implied in that live in the now because there is no knowable future mm. until the future comes and presentism which will we so we're just hopping back and forth with presentism <laughs> would would assert that there's there is no past and there is no future mm. So I think I'm not saying that Epicurus was a presentist, but I think that those kind of things, or or when Sophocles, who uh, was a philosopher of a kind, but he was a playwright, and the philosophy goes into the playwright. Sophocles in the play Antigone essentially has Antigone say the only thing that you can do is do it what we do in the now. That's the translation. It's a it's a modernistic translation, but hmm. yeah. So, do you, let's talk about presentism a little bit. So you you mentioned that that sort of core um, belief structure of it, which is that the present is all that exists, right? Yeah. Do you want to define that a little bit? More? I do because I have. Well, I'm sure, surely not the only one. I'm a, I'm a little pea in the pod, but there, there are many, many, many uh, philosophical positions that say presentism can't stand. <laughs> but, but it has. So, first thing that's fun about it for me is that it's called. Uh, it's there's a word added to the description of it, the temporal ontological. Yeah. So when we talk about ontology as being, as you said earlier. We we're uh, imagining the whole sweep of things, but temporal ontology just now is located in a certain time. 
that's why I'm wearing my Doctor Who shirt. <laughs> so only what is imp- what is present exists. Uh, but but the question some philosophers ask is how can you then account for the past when we know there's been a past when there are artifactual remains when there are archaeological remains uh, so from the viewpoint of epistemology uh, there are factualities from the past so we know it was there Uh, and presentism tends to take that and say well the only usefulness when we get into utility the only usefulness for the past is what it can tell us now studying the past for the sake of studying the past is a waste of time Hmm. says presentism i'm an academic so i have to politely disagree (laughs) there's an interesting thing going on there um that i i don't know how much writing or thinking there's been on it but i'm sure there's plenty that i'm unaware of but this idea of localized versus globalized um temporal ontology right so presentism from the viewpoint of singular individual consciousness i think is a different matter than presentism from a historical or cultural or societal yes. viewpoint oh right? yes so yeah. if if you, i think if you're looking at it from the latter it's very hard to support it because you go like you said there are archaeological things there are records that that sort of say and i think the whole argument against is the truth makers right is what they call them this idea that Hey, listen, if you believe that there's truth, that, you know, there is, there is an ultimate answer to things, then there are things in the past that have created those truths. So you can't have truths without the things. And so presentism is invalid from that global perspective. But I think from a local perspective, right, my personal life, my consciousness, Mm -hmm. my ontology, I go, okay, I'm in this present moment. What's happening right now? And then I think about my past, right? And I have memories and I have things from my, from my past that have influenced the way I think now. But you take those memories back and you go, well, what about my memories from when I'm one year old? And I go, well, I don't have any. <laughs> two years old. Okay, I have two memories from when I'm two, three, four, five, six, seven, right? But even, right, to the intro of this episode, right? What was the third word I said? I don't know. You don't know. Right. (laughs) So that thing, did it happen? Right. Uh, You know, is there some vague, um, you know, uh, conception that we have of what I said? Um, And how does that vague conception contrast with the specific things that I did say? And what effect do those things have on us in this moment versus the past moment? And so when you think about it that way, it's, it, it's, it makes that, that the case for presentism um, from an individual sort of perspective a little bit more um, influential. I think so. I th- you've, you've, you've put that well and, and separating it somewhat into the global and the, the local, the extremely local, the, the self. Certainly our perceptions are are in in inconsistent and 
vague about many things in, in the past, They're, except for those things which anchor themselves for, what, for whatever reason. And we hear a comedian say something, and that's going to resonate for, for years, a one-liner that just will stick. Some, somehow, our minds, our experiential selves, latch on onto those things. But yes, no, I wouldn't. If you said the second word, I, I, I think, well, actually, it might be the third word would be everyone. I think you'd say good morning, everyone, or right. <laughs> hello, everyone. Hello, everyone. Uh, yeah, yeah. So the second word would be <laughs> everyone. Third word, um, I, <laughs> right. <laughs> but, but you made me think about that. So then we, we actively do this, this searching. And, and before I go further with that, just a little side note, because we're starting to mention the ancient philosophers, the, the whole ancient philosophy of, of yoga underpinning and, and building yoga is about, uh, if not abandoning time, then putting time in its place and, and living in the moment. But there's that word moment again. Yeah, and and I think that that's the difficult part. And, you know, without, you know, I don't, I don't like to tip my hand too much on what I actually believe, but I, I do not consider myself a, a presentist. But that's not to say that there aren't very valuable things about adopting that perspective. Oh, certainly. There you know, are like you things. Like you're mentioning, um, a lot of Buddhist philosophy is based on this idea of of being present in the moment. I sent you a, a quote this week yes. um, that, that talks about, and, and I, this is something that I've adopted in my own life. And we talked about in last, the last episode we did on meaning, you know, about being aware, you know, of, of, of what's going on in the moment. And I think, but again, the moment, the present, these, these sort of terms are so problematic because they're leaky, right? They're leaky. And so I think that what I've, what I've been thinking about recently and, and trying to give them a little bit of structure, which doesn't work because categories and structures are just things that we make up to try to interpret the world and they're not really there. But I, I try to think about it, you know, from my psychology background, I look at it and I go, well, I think that the present or the moment for a person is really what you can hold in your working memory. Hmm. Because I think that once you, and working memory, again, is, is a, a difficult thing to define, but generally it's very, very short. Um, what's happened in the past 15 seconds, you know, a string of three to five words or, you know, five to seven numbers, right? Yeah. These yeah. very short things because there's a higher degree of accuracy versus long-term memory even like the things that you mentioned those those strong emotional memories that we hang on to and that we we cherish even those are vulnerable to manipulation there's this um uh, what they call the mandela effect right where you people will have a very vivid memory of something that happened and then they will find out that it, it did it, right. it never happened right? our memories can be well our memories can be coerced Orwell showed us that in 1984. How many fingers am I holding up? Well, if you're being hurt enough and you want the hurting to stop, you'll tell somebody whatever they want to hear. Mm -hmm. This is why torture doesn't work as a... Right. And there's, there's you know, a less... Method for anything. There's less violent ways of, of demonstrating this in psychology experiments where they, um, they'll have a room full of uh, 
undercover psychologists, right, yeah. around a table, and they'll have one person who's not involved in the study, and they'll hand two pieces of paper around, and on one piece of paper, there's an eight-inch line, and on the other piece of paper, there's a 12-inch line, and they'll start with the psychologist, and they'll hand the paper around the table, and they'll go, are these lines the same length or a different length? And every single psychologist will say they're the same length, they're the same length. <laughs> and so what they found is with a minimum of seven people, I think, you go around, by the time you get to the, the experimental subject and you hand the paper to him, they will almost always say that the lines are the same length, right? Because there's this, and that's, that's the, the power of that Mandela effect, right? It, it is. So Luke, I am your father was never <laughs> spoken. But if enough people repeat it enough times, it becomes part of your memory. You go, oh yeah, no, the line was Luke, I am your These father. These memes right? are right. Or, or beam me up, Scotty. Never once in Star Trek did Kirk say, beam me up, Scotty. But we want it to be that way, and so we've made it that way. And we've seen that in all kinds of political circumstances that's suffusing us right now. So, yeah, the, the, the peer pressure uh, toward the, on the malleability of memory and whatever pressure might, one might feel in a moment, uh, there's all kinds of negotiation that's going on in one's mind. Did I think that? Did I say that? I don't know if I said No, I didn't say that. Uh, that kind of thing. And as you say, strictly speaking, the moment's gone. Right. So to try to live in the moment, if we think of it as packets of <laughs> a train going by, right? There's the moment. There's the moment. There's the moment. You could go insane. Nothing's going to happen because you can't possibly pay attention to the moment. Right. And that's what I was thinking about, you know, trying to come up with a good illustration of, of this idea of presentism is like, it's sort of thinking of time as a, a flip book, right? And the present moment is whatever page is currently being displayed. Now, they all meld together so well that it appears to be this seamless, you know, scene. But really, it's a flip book, right? You have all those pages flipping over and over and over. And that one page that your, your eye is seeing, your mind's eye in this case, all of your senses, all of your perceptions, all your cognitions are, are experiencing is really just a page that is quickly being flipped, right? And <laughs> yeah, this is taking us into, of course, because you, you, you know you are taking us back into our discussions of physics and metaphysics. Mm -hmm. So, so the, the current uh, block theory of, of physics applies to this. So essentially, whether you want to think of it as a block or a big book, a flip book, but it's the same thing, time Time doesn't exist. We make ourselves think that it does because of the thing you just described, because it's all there already and we're just, we're being flipped. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So well, we should cover um, a couple of the other perspectives on um, the present yeah. before we go further. So we've talked about presentism, which yeah. is this idea that the past and the future do not exist. The only thing that exists is this present moment. Yep. Um, eternalism. You yeah, counter, counter arguments to that. One would be eternalism. Do you want to? Yeah, well, we can talk about eternalism. It's, it's, it, it pretty much gives itself away in the name. It's, it's that there, all, past, present, and future all exist as one. And, and so there's 
uh, I shouldn't say no, there's no need to try to determine among them, but really the effort one makes to do that it doesn't lead to much because they're blended together. As you described so well earlier when we were talking, with, when, I mean, we can sit in this conversation and our minds can still be in three different places at the same time. Mm. We, we say something about a memory we had, or when you say, uh, when you alluded to, you have two memories from the age of two, I think you said. And, and so my, my head immediately went to, do I remember anything from two? Oh, then there's my grandfather in there. And I'm thinking, oh, but I'm still here having this conversation. But if I let that go, I could be just sitting here daydreaming and thinking about somebody else. But somehow our minds seem to be able to manage past, present, and future to various degrees of success or crashing and burning. <laughs> yeah. It's funny how often that happens. Lots of times I'll listen back to some of these episodes, mostly to monitor um, audio quality, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And what I'll find is, that a lot of the episode I won't I won't really remember, right? So suddenly we'll be talking about something and I'll go, oh yeah, that was an interesting part. Or I'll go, you know what? I think when I when I started talking here, I wasn't actively listening to what Norm said. Like you said something and it was very interesting when I was listening back to it and I wasn't trying to formulate what I was going to say next. And I go, you know what? I just kind of skipped over the main point that he, he mentioned that was very cool. And I, I went into something different, you know, that's and the nature of conversation. Yeah. That's, that's just part of being human and the limitations of our, of our, you know, cognitions, our ability to um, both be attentive to what's happening, but also try to anticipate where things are going and, and trying to integrate with with past things. So, right. so it's a it's a difficult thing to it's do. An it. We take it for granted. Order. We take it for we take it for granted, and we somehow think that order is important because we fear chaos, and and uh, and we don't. The human animal doesn't want to be in that spot. I think that's partly what's going on. But eternalism is just. It's, I'm not going to be beatnik out on you, but it's, it's, it's okay, man. It's all there. It's past is there, present, future. Yeah. It's all real. So I'd have to revise my previous illustration, right? Because I think the eternalism and the block universe is much like the entire flip book. It's all there. It's already been written. It's already there. And our experience of it is, is the flipping. Yes, right, um, right. Whereas presentism is really, there is no flip book. It's just, you draw a scene, you crumple it up and throw it out. You draw a new scene, you crumple <laughs> up and throw it out, right? Um, yeah, there's no, and, there's no connection that's gone. Yeah, yeah. And there's a third position, and this is the one that I think is intuitively the most appealing, which is the expanding block universe. <laughs> so presentism, the only thing that exists is the present moment. Yep. Um, past and future do not exist. The block universe, past, present, and future all already exist. You and I have already finished this podcast. It's already done. We've lived our whole lives. We have died. The universe has ended, right? That all already exists. It's already happened. We just, our consciousness, our awareness of the present moment doesn't recognize Cause it. Because we're, we're just being flipped. <laughs> the expanding block universe says that the present and the past exist, but, not but the, the future, future doesn't right it and stretches out there and i think that that is is more intuitive and i think that the 
our modern conception of physics tends to back that up due to what we've talked about in in the past few episodes about um, static steady state universe models being refuted in in favor of the Big Bang cosmology, where it, it appears that space and thus by extension time had an origin point and are expanding. That seems to indicate that, oh, okay, um, rather than there being just a block that's always existed and that has the whole story contained in it, like a gelatin mold with blueberries, right? It's it's more like a raisin loaf, right? It's being baked. The yeast is rising. The happy barbecue are... season. Happy <laughs> Memorial Day, man. <You> just... <laughs> so it is expanding, right? It's it, it's it, it hasn't already expanded. The future hasn't already happened. It is going to happen. And the parts of this raisin loaf that have already risen are the past. The parts that are rising are the present. And once it stops rising, then there will be no more future. If that's yeah. possible. Uh, if that's good, or it just keeps rising. Well, it, it's, I find this, this one, as you say, it's intuitively very interesting because, because if we, if we look backward, whenever we go with a metaphor of directionality, <laughs> uh, we're already finding with the have found before we, the scientists, the astronomers, the physicists, the, through the telescopes currently, the web telescopes that I mean, the past is expanding. Mm. <laughs> things are getting older the further we can see back, right? So to right. speak, by seeing the stars, and, and things aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. Galaxies aren't doing what some galaxies aren't shaped the way they're supposed to be shaped, and so on and so on. So if the past is expansive, the future must be at least as much, if not more so. Yeah, that's an interesting question because um, the present's relationship to the past seems sort of clear, but its relationship to the future is much more convoluted. So how does conceptualization of the present relate to the arrow of time? You know, I've, I've read so many books about time, and and one was called The Arrow of Time, <laughs> Time Zero. That was, and it, I, I mean, it's, I'm getting older. I, I, I don't find it as useful a symbolic tool as I might one have, once have. This past week, I had the opportunity to walk on a, an expansive, Atlantic Beach. And I was thinking about all kinds of things, including time, <laughs> and walking along looking for shells for my granddaughter and listening to the sound and taking it in. But you get to a point, if you walk far enough down a very large beach and, and, you, and you turn left to look back to where people are sitting that you are with, and they've grown smaller and smaller and smaller. I'm talking Einsteinian things here, right? And and you look ahead, and there are these almost uh, indistinguishable things that are actually probably people walking toward you, and 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 you feel like you're in the middle of the beach. Measurably, you probably aren't, but well, I'm here. They're way back there. They're over there. What's what's this about? Is, is I've, I've got this this moment, which is not a moment. It's many minutes. <laughs> And yet, it, it, but if I'm staying in it, I think there's this idea of, of a container, 
I was I was talking uh, with my second born, who's a, a now officially a, a dance movement therapist, and the, the metaphor that is used within the field is is a container for the work that goes on, and for lots of good reasons, which I won't I won't take us way off on the side here, but but I think that a moment is a container that can expand to some degree. So that it may be many minutes, it may be an hour, it may be two hours. It's one of those, I think, situations in which being present in the moment means that you feel like everything has slowed down cinematically. We see this in movies all the time, right? People moving very slowly and you're perceiving all kinds of things. And time seems not to have passed because you're really outside of time a little tiny bit for a little while. That's how the, the present moment feels to me. But that again goes back to physics and the relativistic nature of, there is no, arguably, you were going to this earlier, really, there is no present moment that's universal. Hmm. Because, because depending on whether you're on a jet, a spaceship, <laughs> walking on the ground in a different time zone, whatever it is, I do not have the same present moment as you might have, because it's not just about a measurement. Yeah, yeah. And that's the really interesting question is, is the present entirely relativistic? And if so, what does this say about reality? You love it when I ask that question, right? <laughs> I do. <laughs> so what does this say about reality? If, if the present moment is entirely relativistic to the person experiencing it, then that sort of necessitates the um, the assumption that none of us experience the same reality, right? Yes, it does. <laughs> so is reality entirely relativistic is the question then. Well, now we're getting into the goop. Uh, I, I, to me, reality is relativistic to a degree, whether you want to use bungee cords or uh, Play-Doh or uh, choose your media medium as a metaphor. Uh, there is stretchability, there is plasticity to how we experience time, for instance. We all know this. We, it's in our songs. It's in our, you know, I, I saw my whole life passing before me in a moment. Uh, or or I, I'm with somebody that I enjoy being with them and the time goes so fast. Or the time just stops because I'm just totally concentrated on that person. And so our experience is plastic and fluid. And, and But I think reality, therefore, has that same thing. Which is not to say there isn't of reality, which is not to say that there aren't facts and truths. Yeah, you want to hear what I've been thinking yeah, about I recently? Do. Um, so, to me, I, I see this sort of a combination of fractal geometry mixed with quantum mechanics, right? And so, we have, we know it at a, at a quantum level, right? At a very small level, there's just an incredible amount of variability, right? You can't you, you can't know anything until an observation is made. Until that point, everything is entirely um, up in the air, right? Um, but yet, at, as the scale grows, things become very predictable, right? 
um, I know that the atoms aren't going to align in such a way that I can put my hand through this table. This table is, will be solid, even though there aren't really any physical laws that state that such a thing is impossible, right? Mm. Just the chance, the Schrodinger's cat in the box, right, says that this isn't, this isn't going to happen, right? Well, now here's the fractal part, right? So we're just looking at it on a different scale. So now if we think of human consciousness as being the quantum level and they're being bigger, higher scale levels above that, then our consciousness, right? Our experience of the present is variable, right? We don't know what's going to happen until we observe it. And so now as we're, as we're looking at this, on our individual level, my consciousness, my perception of reality is going to be different and unique from anybody else's perception of reality. But as all these observations are made by the 8 billion people on the planet, the higher levels of reality are observed, are constructed, are set in stone so that there are things that we can agree upon. But I don't know that those things that we're agreeing upon as actually existing do indeed exist until at the quantum level of our consciousness, they have been observed or experienced, right? And Very so, yeah. And so that leads to some, some interesting discussions, right? Is there anything to say that something wild couldn't happen and we'd all experience it? And, you know, it would be just reality shattering. No, there's nothing to say that that couldn't happen the same way that we say I couldn't put my hand through the table, but it doesn't, you know, <laughs> it just doesn't happen, right? And so this mismatch between the, the very small uncertain level and the very big concrete level, we know there's a distinction, we know it exists, but where that transition happens and how we make sense of it and experience it is something that's very hard to grasp. It, it, uh, I will applaud. <laughs> no, it is. It's, it's, it, we, we spend lifetimes trying to grasp such things. We may even know, not even know why we're trying to grasp it. I want to know how time <laughs> works why right yeah. <laughs> you know and, but because i need to because it's fascinating because it's curious are you familiar with shape dynamics no i don't think i so. stumbled onto that this week hmm. um, and, and and i can't i won't begin i'm not i'm speaking as a person who just stumbled onto it uh, but it seems to be a kind of time demolishing conceptualization really so uh it's, it says essentially there's just, you said with your little drawings and then throwing over your shoulders there, there's timeless, instantaneous nows. Mm -hmm. And, and shape dynamics apparently refers to these as time capsules, which our brains stitch together to give the illusion of time passing by. So when you're doing the flip book, it's very similar, uh, it seems. Shape dynamics. I want to read much more about about these things, but 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 string theory also says that times time is illusory. Well, if it's illusory, if it is, in other words, it's it's of the the nature of illusion, uh, and we're wrestling with 
an illusion that we've used that we that <laughs> that we created. Maybe it arose, it arose out of the quantum froth of consciousness, and we've all just agreed to it. Well, time exists, of course. <laughs> Being in the present moment doesn't mean that time exists. It means slow down the pace of your life, what you're doing, in order to be attentive to things. And if you slow down and are attentive, you naturally take in more things with your senses, or you notice more, more things uh, around you, that that thing you sent this week from Henry Miller, who was a remarkable literary person, a writer, and and Miller uh, says uh, that I he says I have a theory that the moment one gives close attention to anything, even a blade of grass, it becomes a mysterious, awesome, indescribably magnificent world in itself and he talks about never being disappointed when he stops and looks at things that way and that resonates with me so much when i when i take a photograph uh, doing my art and I, and I take a photograph and i work with the layers of light and settings of a block of stone can become an entire universe Figures can emerge from it if the shadows are right. Thus, one could understand pantheism, which, well, that stone's alive, or give your ism to it, whatever you want. But, it, but surely there are layers of being in one's mind that one finds by encountering that, by changing how one looks at it, hmm. which is partly what meditation is about, which is to empty. Not, not not to empty your mind, but to say, I'm giving my attention to this thing right now. Everything else in my mind, just stand back and wait. I'm giving my attention to this stone. And in so doing, I might notice an insect that lands on it. I might notice a cloud shadow that's passing over it. I might notice the sound of the water that's near the stone and so on. That's being in the present moment. That doesn't have to be time. Right. Yeah, and this leads me to an, another interesting view that I, I stumbled upon, which was uh, perdurantism, perdurantism, right? Which is this idea, they call it the worm view, which is this idea oh, that yes, um, yes, yes. an individual has distinct temporal parts through its existence, and the persisting object is the summer set of all of its temporal parts, right? So that's sort of, you know, I think it's it's looking at the the block universe or maybe the expanding block universe but rather than just saying okay well you're traveling from <laughs> you want to say point a to point b right and that's a spatial representation but we know space and time are one thing so you're also not just traveling from point a to point b but you're traveling from the past to the future right and so perdurantism is is saying it's taking that a step further and saying that you're not just a passive traveler, but that in that traveling, the same way that your body has parts, right? You have a hand and a head and, and legs and stuff. You the same thing sort of exists with, with time, right? As we travel through time, time does not may, may remain the same thing for us. So even if all of time already exists and we're this worm traveling, you know, tunneling through the block. Yeah. Um, where we started at point A and where we end at point B 
those sections in time are not identical, right? And I yes. think that that resonates with with the ontology of, of being, right? All of those, where I exist now in time is not, you know, com- comparable to where I existed in time even a few weeks ago, even before I had this discussion, right mm-hmm. now. So there's different temporal parts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That no, this 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 works. I, I well, of course, I'm thinking of a children's book about the a very hungry caterpillar <laughs> eating its way day by day through through things and growing very big. Well, our experiential lives grow very large. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sticking with your worm or your caterpillar. We change. But I think this is the essence of things as I understand, as a, as a layperson reader, I understand a, a skinch of what some of the metaphysicians and physics uh, physicists are saying. Time and change are not the same thing. Mm. We, we just automatically glop them together. We, we, we just glue them together and say, well, well, of course they are, because you don't change without time. Well, what if you did change and there and time doesn't exist? You, you would still change. We just somehow, so essentially the, the, the important, one of the important parts of this conversation, I think, is if we do nothing else than, than encourage people to stop and say, does time exist? What does present mean? What is a moment? I think I'm having a moment. <laughs> yeah. The, that's good enough. Uh, because if you say it's it's sort of like a, a turtle opening its eyes and thinking what something just happened. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, this is this is interesting stuff, right? Because so thinking about that, our, our experience of time, we already know that people don't experience time the same way, mm-hmm. right? Um, sometimes you know, though, I, that's a fun experiment to do with your friends, actually. Usually, if you're in the middle of, of an activity, if you've been around for a while, that, well, I could do with you right now because you can't see the screen, right? No. Nope. How long do you think we've been recording? Right now? Um, the flow of the conversation, I, I would say maybe 20 minutes. So, we're at 42, right? Yeah. So, you're off by a non-insignificant amount, right? right. Double, essentially. And this will happen a lot, not just in... Um, isolated moments, um, you know, like we're, like we did right here, but even throughout the course of somebody's life, right? Um, we know that for older people, time travel is much faster than for younger people. And there's lots of logical reasons why this might occur, right? If you're five years old, but when you turn six, um, you know, a significant amount of the proportion of your life has passed to that birthday, whereas going from 79 to 80, um, a much smaller proportion mm-hmm. of your life has passed. Now, that's now how we count time, which is probably very imprecise. <laughs> the traveling of a rock around a burning piece of plasma, right? We, we're already, we already know that those two objects are big enough to be affected by relativity yes. and at a large scale. So it's probably, all, you know, it's already just a uh, sort of nominal kind of measuring stick. But it's the best that we have. So, and it's, it's now, we have atomic clocks, but you know, you, even looking at them, right? We know that two people can experience the same amount of time. And for one, it's much faster and for one, it's much slower. Yes. 
But still, that is not a linear or concrete conception, right? Because what we found that paying attention slows down time, as we've been talking about, that there are different things that can occur that causes time to be quite plastic. And not time itself, but the perception yep. of time. Yep. And so coming back to this idea of, of individual human consciousness as being sort of the quantum level, right? Hmm. It almost seems that it, we're affecting our own reality. And since we are part of the weaving of the fabric of the ultimate reality, right? It seems that whether how I perceive the length of time that I exist really is going to have an impact on how I affect things around me, right? Indeed. Which is sort of a uh, kind of a wild thing to say, but in the intro, I asked when the present is. (laughs) Does it make sense to also ask where the present is? Well, if you think of the directionality, absolutely. If, if time's an arrow and we're going backwards and forwards and, and space-time is coordinates, then sure, there, the where in the block is that memory that I can't get to. Hmm. You know, for instance, you know, we, we, if our minds, if our brains worked functionally to perfection and our memories did, then like some kind of supercomputer, we should be able to access it because it's there. We always think of our minds as computers where the AI is constantly being talked about and we're mind and organic computers and such and such. But if there is a set of files of flip pages of illustrations, then if we had the proper mentality and power of mentality, we ought to be able to access that. But it's not as simple as that, is it? Because because the time or our experience of time affects us. There are things we don't want to remember. There are things that would not be uh, have any utility in us remembering. If we could remember every moment of every single day, perhaps the infinite, infinite capacity of our brain could accommodate that, but I think it's arguable that we might go insane. We might not be able to proceed through any moment. Mm. That we'd be stymied because we're not privileging anything. Yeah, there's another interesting sort of um, scale thing happening here, right? It's it's sort of thing. We talk about the present moment, and we've already covered how relativistic um, time is and, and and that sort of thing. But space is the same way, right? If you if you look at so a lot of people who are unfamiliar with cosmology right they know about the big bang model right okay well there's an explosion and then the universe expanded out um but one interesting thing that comes out of that is if you ask well where did that explosion occur right because we look with our telescopes right we look out and we can see um you know the farther out in space you look the farther back in time you look and so we can see to the edge of where this explosion occurred. And so it might be a natural question for people to ask, well, where did the explosion occur? Because that would have to be the center of the universe. One interesting thing that pops out of the mathematics and the observations and stuff is that the center of the universe is everywhere. <laughs> there, 
any point that you were at, yep. you were at the center of the universe. Because rather than a the explosion that we think of, which something is starting at a small point and going out, it's almost it's almost more like an implosion, right? The explosion is all around us and we are inside of it. So no matter what direction you look, you will see the edge of the Big Bang, the edge of the explosion. Um, where we are is inside of it. And yeah. so the center of the universe is everywhere. And so when we ask where the present is, the tr- we can say it can seem to me that my the present is right now right to me but somebody on the other side of the earth their present is happening at a different time yep. somebody who is millions of light years away their present right if i looked through a telescope and i were to see them i would be seeing what's happening in my present is happening millions of years in their past. Hmm. They are dead. They are gone. But I can see them walking and moving and doing their thing on their planet. So I think that 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 it's another sort of sense of scale. It's another one of those the, the interaction of space and time and the interaction of human consciousness and our experiences and the larger universe. Right? It, it sort of pops out. If the center of the universe is everywhere, then the present is also everywhere. But it's it's not distinct, right? No. So no. you think the center, right? Well, a center is a point, but yet space is in a massive three-dimensional thing. Millions and millions of, you know, billions of light years. The biggest thing you can possibly imagine. It takes up the most. It's, it's the exact opposite of a point. Yeah. Yet it is a point. It is the a point. The present is very similar, right? Yeah. The present to me is this very localized thing that is happening in my immediate vicinity of both space and time. And yet the present for any other person scattered about through the universe is going to be entirely different. Mm -hmm. But it could still be happening concurrently. But I would never be able to experience it because it's millions of years in my Past. In your past. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's mind boggling, isn't it? It is. It is. And so that's, I think that that sort of illustration, it's still confusing, right? But I think that helps sort of bring a, a visceral demonstration to the idea of the block universe or the expanding block universe. Because it's hard yeah. to, it's hard to picture. I think that that, that idea that the past or the future has already happened, right? Especially the future. I think that we, we, um, rail against the determinism, right? We don't want to think that what we've done has already been experienced. But in that scenario I gave where I'm looking through the telescope, right, at this person's past, well, if I'm looking at their past because they're millions of light years away, then technically, when that person was doing that thing, I'm in their future. Yes, you are. <laughs> yes. Therefore, the past and the future exist at the same time. And eternalism works. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's incredible. QED, no. <laughs> it's incredible. It's so, I, I warned everybody in the intro that it was going to get extremely strange. But. Well, yes. And that, that's part of our job that we've adopted. And, uh, our task. That's we, what makes philosophy cool. So... <laughs> Given what we've discussed today, what are the possible implications for consciousness after death? That's a wild curveball. Whoa. 
<laughs> You're fun. <laughs> what are the implications for consciousness after death? So a lot of what we've been talking about, I'll give you, I'll, I'll buy you some time. Yeah, please. Um, so a lot of what we've been talking about today has had to do with consciousness. Mm -hmm. um, when we think about the present, the idea of the present moment doesn't really make sense without consciousness. You know, we have a hard time even thinking about what the present means if there's no thing to observe the present. If right? we weren't here, the sound of, a, of the present <laughs> falling would, <laughs> <Yeah>. wouldn't happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so this idea of death, right? So we have that, that illustration that I just, just mm -hmm. sort of threw out there. That person that's on that planet a million light years away, who I'm observing going about their business, being a, a vital, vibrant person and living their life and stuff, they're gone now. And yet, when I look back, I see them, right? Um, and we have examples of this happening. Um, the Pillars of Creation, you know, is, is a good one. Mm -hmm. One of the most stunning pictures of space that's just ever been seen. You look at it, you're filled with awe and the sublime when you see it. And astronomers say it, that's, that's gone. A supernova went off nearby and all of those pillars of gas and dust blew away. But we haven't observed it yet because it's too far back. The light hasn't had time to reach us. So I guess from one position, you could say that that person, right, that's a million light years away, it's not really their present that's reaching me. It's just the light, just, just the, the information in photon form um, reaching my eyes, reaching my senses, you know, if, you know, conceivably the sound waves or the gravitational waves could also travel at a much slower pace and eventually reach me if there wasn't too much interference. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think that the question is when that, when all of that information arrives, yeah. is that an actual present moment that happened then, or is it just information about that present moment? And I think that that is what is going to be the key to this question of does this thing exist after, after it's gone? You ask marvelous questions. Well, I'm going to ask, I'm going to begin to answer my, uh, give my answer to the question tentative and, and halting and incomplete by asking a question. Uh, Henry Miller is long gone. We just read his words. Does that make Henry Miller here? Hmm. Yeah, and, and historians have different categorizations for um, determining when death occurs, right? Mm -hmm. Well, there's physical death, and then there's, and then all the way down to, well, somebody doesn't really die until nobody remembers them, right? Well, that creates an interesting paradox, right? Because let's say that everybody on Earth forgets about Henry Miller. Right, thousand years from now, um, nobody remembers he existed. But then our little test unit, you know, planet a million light years away, looks through their telescope, or the um, you know the electronic waves that we're sending into space through the internet reaches them, reaches their receiver, and they go, "Oh, hey, here's this guy. He was an interesting guy." <laughs> so was Henry Miller dead during that entire time, and now he's alive again? Ah. Or did he always exist in the information that was traveling to them? He's always existing in, in the, the potential of the actual documents that he wrote, his thoughts 
are recorded. His thoughts exist. Do uh, uh, if if a hundred years from now the podcast is heard somehow, do we still exist? Well, our conversation does, but it's not going to alter. It's going to be the same conversation. Do the people in movies exist because we get and watch them, even though Humphrey Bogart is long gone, but I can still enjoy a Humphrey Bogart movie. It's, it's, I'm not being glib about it, but I, but I think it requires that kind of thought. All, all information is photonic. Well, so if all information is photons, we know that photons, uh, light travels in light, uh, in packets, or in waves, depending on how we observe it, depending <laughs> on how we interact it with it. Uh, so I think it's, it's possible to conceptualize that one hasn't died for these reasons. The essence of, of one's thought hasn't died because of its artifactual reclamation. Uh, the essence of us broken down into our individual atoms then becomes part of something else. And so that which constructs us still exists. That's not we, but it is of we. <laughs> yeah. I think it, it, it gives a, an interesting twist to our discussion on meaning last time, right? Because I think that what philosophers struggle with, with discussion of meaning, is the... Um, Temp temporal nature of human existence, right? Saying, okay, well, I only exist for this short period. And so after I'm gone, how could, how could anything that I've done have had any meaning? Mm -hmm. But when you really bring in the mind-bending physics that we know through extensive experimentation and, and observation um, has, has truth to it, you go, well, all of information can't be created or destroyed. So everything that I've done, my whole life continues to exist after I'm gone. Um, In the block universe, yeah. Right, right. And so even if it can't be changed, right, um, it, it existed. And so, and the nature of change, your ability to change um, is, is debatable, right? Because if you believe in the block universe, it's already happened. It's already there. And there's nothing you can do about it. If you believe in the expanding block, um, you can't change the past, but you can alter the future. If you're a presentist, neither one of them exists. All that exists is what's happening yeah. right now. Yeah. But, but regardless, you know, based off of the model of physics we have, what we know is that what is happening will continue to exist, right? And so that, that gives you a little bit of pause when thinking about how you want to live your life, right? Because you go, well, even if I am dead, even if I am gone, even if there's nobody on earth to, to remember me or to experience anything that I did, who I am is still out there. It's yeah. still traveling. And you don't know who or what may be out there that could observe it. The intercepted or, observe it. Or, or, yeah. or what will happen to your atoms or your molecules or your information and how it might be used and, and transmuted into different 
physical forms and matter or different energy forms right mm-hmm. wildly uh you know <laughs> we're, we're we we spent a lot of this episode in in the mystical right it's, it's been very been very mystical right we we have but i think that's whenever you're talking about the physics of time you can't you it's you 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 almost can't avoid the metaphysics of the implications of it so I, I I think that we've been in the moment pretty well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And again, I, we've we really have only scratched the surface of it. We didn't even really talk much about the article that you sent me, no. where um, you know the 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 author was arguing that um, you know time is really since you can't separate space and time, time is bound up in in the physical nature of our, our, of our beings and things. Yeah. So there's a lot more to explore. We'll come back. It's been (laughs) fun. Until next time, keep pondering.